Like dad would invite co-workers of his in, coming in for business trips to skip the hotel and stay at our house yeah. instead. Which is Which very is weird, <laughs> truly. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Hug and a High Five. It's a mom and daughter podcast journal. I'm Ingrid, I'm the daughter. And I'm Vicky, I'm the mom. I'm trying to figure out how to be an adult. I'm trying to figure out how to parent an adult and live as an adult who is more than a parent. I live in New York City. And I live in Los Angeles. And this is Hug and a High Five. Hello, Ingrid. Hello. I'm looking you in the eye from three feet away. Yeah, mom is here in and person. And it's not on a screen, it's in person. That's right. Um, neither of us are in our usual location. Yeah. But we have met together for what was going to be opening the day at Bush Gardens, Williamsburg. This recording is set in real time in the year 2020, the month March, Ides of March, is today. Actually. Oh, really? It's the Ides of March because it's March 15th. So that's where we are. And we are in Williamsburg and our nation and the world is shutting down because of COVID-19 coronavirus. And I had made this plan to come visit you six weeks ago or Mm -hmm. more. More, And I decided to keep it. And the day I flew to Minnesota to visit your sister is the day that everything started to crash and everything started to close and I just decided to keep my travel plans and now my travel back to California which is supposed to happen tomorrow has one of the plane flights has been canceled and I am going to a hub of people in Chicago so we shall see if I get home tomorrow anyway we're going to talk about in light of this hospitality yeah, so instead of having an opening weekend at the theme park, Mom and I are enjoying each other's company in Colonial Williamsburg, and I'm really thankful that you're still here. That's it's kind of nice um, to be doing something and, and not just be able to call. Obviously, I'd still be able to call you and say, what do I do? Because the theme park is closed, just as everything else is. Um, well, and some of your friends lickety-split, hot-tailed hot-tailed it out of town. Yeah, a lot of them went back. And you had already taken a shift at Trader Joe's. Guess what? The best business to be in in this season? Grocery stores. Grocery stores. Yep. Yeah, if we can get toilet paper in, we're still going to be in business. Super business, but we went to Trader Joe's today, and the shelves are sort of empty. But you did take another shift in the Williamsburg uh, grocery store. So So I I could be here a little while. Immediately, and now it's giving you a chance to think about whether or not you're going to stay, which is kind of interesting. Because you could go back and work in the grocery store in New York. That's right. Where do I want to be? What kind of money do I spend in what section of time? Mm Mm-hmm. So um, we've talked, I think, about hospitality before, just as the way that it has shaped me as a person and the way you've parented me, etc., Mm-hmm. And I think it's an interesting extra layer to talk about it during this world crisis because hospitality can't look quite so straightforward as come sleep at my house mm-hmm. <laughs> when everyone's supposed to be self-quarantining. Yeah. Um, but we thought we'd explore our philosophy of hospitality. Yeah. Well, uh, what is your perception of, well, how are you, how are you raised? <laughs> what comes to mind? How are you raised? Regurgitate for us. Yeah. I think the philosophy of hospitality that you raised me in is possibly more singular than I think it is. 
I mean, every child begins their life thinking that the whole world is like their little mm-hmm. house. Yeah. And then at some point they're like, wait a minute. <laughs> you don't live that way? What? I thought everyone <laughs> did that. Um, and we mentioned last week in the siblings podcast, I'm sure mm-hmm. we've mentioned it before that, that I have shared a room my whole life. Mm. Um, a lot of the hospitality in our home growing up was most tangibly marked by how we used our space. Yeah. Two, three bedroom, two bathroom house. Mm-hmm. One story, cottagey bungalow in mm-hmm. Pasadena. Pasadena. And instead of using all three rooms, ba- bedrooms for ourselves, you have a bedroom, you and dad, the three girls had a bedroom, and the third bedroom was always the guest bedroom. Yes. So from the outside, I remember lots of people asking throughout my life, why don't you use the third bedroom? Mm. Um, and aren't there times in life, actually there were times in life when we questioned whether or not one of the girls would move into the third bedroom mm-hmm. through the angsty middle school years of, I need my own space and like mm-hmm. toying with that idea. But uh, through it all, the sort of mantra of the house was that we are a household of hospitality. We have, we want to be in a place where there's always space for people to come and stay, for us to be open to them and to sort of be able to facilitate a, this portion of someone else's life. Mm-hmm. So there's been a sort of re- revolving door to the back door to our mm-hmm. guest bedroom, which has its own bathroom and has been filled with missionary upon missionary, families, single people, all ages, grandparents all the time, of course. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, specifically sort of long stays where we've had the same person in that room for a couple years at a time or mm-hmm. whatever, for for whatever reason that their life brought them to Pasadena. So, I watched you model from a young age, opening your house to other people and other cultures and honestly having that be the culture of the home. Well, that I'm glad that that showed up. <laughs> I'm glad that that was successfully modeled because that's what we set out to to model daddy and I we heard this concept from somebody really close to when we first moved in the concept of being um showing other people how Jesus lived Mm. this is how Jesus cleans the toilet this is how (laughs) Jesus (laughs) sweeps the floor this is how Jesus um washes the dishes makes food uh the concept is that we are little Christians Christ's Christian Christian mm. means little Christ so we're little Jesus's so we just thought well what about the way we live could we show that to other people could we show and hospitality is a very big and important part Jesus always accepts the outsiders he accepts the outcasts and the outsiders of society he mm-hmm. accepts accept, accepts the um the un everything, sure. <laughs> the unaccepted, the undocumented, the un uh, belonging, the d- not belonging. So yeah. Jesus, that's what Jesus modeled, what we read in the Bible and and what he talks about in his words. And so we decided we'd try to live that way in our little piece of the world. And so that's what we did with our guest bedroom. And you're right, we did have people stay um, anywhere from overnight to many nights too many now we've had someone stay back in our house for mm, two and a half years almost three years yeah so it's been very special 
sometimes, you know, it gets a little crowded. <laughs> well, elbow room is not very long and social distance is not very far. Right. But we have done things in our house to uh, share, uh, to, to help increase the space because everybody needs an away space. So while you guys were little, we tried to give you office space on our side porch, which was right. kind of your own. And right. You did have your own bed, and that was kind of your little domain. And um, recently, Look, I know how to make a top bunk a beautiful haven. <laughs> yes. If you quietly go into the top bunk and you lay there nice and still and are alone with your thoughts, people walk in and out of the room, they talk to themselves, they have no idea you're there. It's true. I have gone through the house before with your youngest sister, and hunting, and we were kind of frantic at times because she was napping somewhere, and she was on a bed in our house. One time, she crawled behind the pillows on my bed, but we couldn't find her, and I was on the verge we, of calling the police. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I called, called the my neighbors. Friends. Yeah. Everyone came over. We were, yeah, it was terrifying. She was just napping. She was like four. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, yes, it is possible to have your own space. And mm. and we know that you need your own space, and that, you know, that's why we built a tree house, and we kept changing it and amending it. But most of the world lives with other people, which we've talked right. about before. The best that the, a lot of people in the world eat is rice and beans, and most of the world has a roommate. And We can be like that, too. So, we want it to be like that. And I always say, one of my concepts is that you can only bring in one room at a time. Yeah, I think the thing that definitely marks Jesus's hospitality and is like the sort of the point of having a guest bedroom mm-hmm. is the tangible needs that it meets. Yes, the felt and needs. Of course, it's one thing to be like, I will listen to you, I'll hear you, I will champion you. But mostly like the hospitality that Jesus had was like, no, I'm going to come eat with you, or I'm going to feed you, or I'm going to heal you, or I'm going to, like, mm-hmm. tangible things, and nothing's mm-hmm. quite so tangible as needing shelter. Yes. Roof over your head. Which is what we can give. Mm-hmm. It is true that we obviously are all equally, con- like, connected and affected by those that stay in our house or have stayed in our house throughout the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and that the culture of the family sort of shifts when someone is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, more than once, whoever's staying in our guest bedroom has said, I'll be here for like a month. And then we all mentally prepare for a month. Mm-hmm. And then near the end of the month, they say, this big thing has happened in my life. <laughs> yes. Anyway, I could stay more or yeah. I just don't know what I'm going to do. And there's no answer except yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're, we're here for you. Mm-hmm. Yes, we'll, we're here with you. But then you do have to change your own expectations. Okay, this is a whole, yeah. this is a different feeling than like, oh, the small time uh, mm-hmm. guest in our house. Yeah, yeah. This is the new normal and what do we do to help them feel comfortable? You know what book comes to mind with regard to that is uh, The Hiding Place with Corey Ten Boom because they started taking Jewish people in, in um, Harlem... Amsterdam, Harlem, Holland. Next, yeah, next to Amsterdam. I mean, near. talk about like the greatest tragedy of the entire history of the world. <laughs> yeah, is right about. in the middle of uh, the Holocaust. Is at the hiding place. Yeah, and and they started taking people in, and I was always so struck 
by the way they described Corey's sister, Betsy Ten Boom, who liked to work back in the kitchen, and she did everything herself. And Betsy commented one time when they started taking people in how she noticed one of the ladies that they invited to stay, uh, a Jewish lady, and she said, will you come help me in the kitchen? And it just made the lady feel so at home to have something to do. And Corey noted, she was like, Betsy would never do that. That's her place. That's like, mm. that's the all she does. But she was following the leading of the Holy Spirit to invite this person in to help her feel welcome and give her something to do, which is kind of cool. So we, that's kind of our philosophy also. Because people like to be useful. Actually, that's a good point. When we've had people stay at our house for like years at a time, the sort of situation from our side, I remember being, you're welcome to live here. You either don't pay rent or you pay like very little rent if you're you're here for, you know, years at a time. Whatever would make you feel comfortable. Sure, like we'll figure that out. But really, like you have your own doorway, you have your own bathroom, mm-hmm. but you're living in our house. We'd love you to be a part of the family. So, mm-hmm. what can we do to figure that out? And my older our our my older cousin I don't know yeah. older family member when she lived with us the mm-hmm. the rule agreement was you make dinner once a week yeah you yep that was the plan you made you make a meal for us once a week and there is yeah so so hospitality is not the same as like servanthood I, I know that bringing people into your space or into your house or or creating an open spot can feel easily like oh my gosh, so much energy on my side and the things that I have to give you and you just have to be on kind of when you've got guests in your house, which is true to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to think about what you're wearing when you walk out into the public spaces. Right, right. <laughs> um, but it, there, there's like an added level of, of comfort when you've just started with, here's a way for you to be here and, and in part of the family and in, in like a... Mm-hmm. There's a deeper sense of belonging there versus, like, where your bed and breakfast. That is what makes a huge difference. Yeah, it's not so much where your bed and breakfast. Yeah. It's, it's um, yeah, here's your belonging. Join our life. This is how you can yours. contribute. So our adopted Norwegian cousin who stayed with us for a long time, uh, she was like, are you okay if I make the same meal every week? You know? <laughs> I'm not a fabulous chef. So I was like, yes. I love your meal because she always made it. We were in the middle of when she said she was coming. We were having our kitchen remodeled, which was on top of that. Was like that was a compromised hospitality situation. Yeah, but she no rolled kitchen. with it. She was she was like, yeah, that's fine. And so we had a microwave, we had a grill, we had a refrigerator on the side porch. I mean, our place was a mess because we were having our kitchen remodeled. But she would make grilled salmon and broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sweet potatoes and yams, yeah. Uh, every week. And we were like, yes, that's a healthy meal. We love it. Go ahead. So and yeah, now did give her something. my sister and I, who are out of the house, that is like the meal that is home to us. Oh, uh, yeah. We it's have- 100% the meal for me. And I know that Ellen and I have talked about it. Like, when we go home, other than like in and out or like West Coast things, uh-huh. we, we want salmon Sam- and broccoli and yams. Yeah, because that was a very and it was shaping. shaping year in our life. Yeah, yeah, that was very special. So how have you carried that on to your life in New York and even your concept of coming here? I will say that hospitality is so much easier with other people. 
than by Which yourself. I guess that is like kind of the point of hospitality. <laughs> Multiple people involved. But I mean, like to yes, to, to open your your own space to, to another person to come in is just easier to do in larger communities and like have someone else to remind you uh, remind you to be hospitable and and to help you look for the places in your life where you can open up to be hospitable. That is an interesting observation because you did live in New York for a year by yourself. Well, you had three roommates. Right. But you had your own room for the first time in your life, but it was actually quite isolating because your roommates and you had quite different schedules and there wasn't a lot of joint effort to get different together. Different communication styles and different values and different places mm-hmm. to put their time. Yeah. I, I think in my first year of New York, at least in the first half of the first year of New York, I was the recipient of hospitality. Mm. And it's okay for there to be times in your life when that is the main way that you're experiencing hospitality. Mm. I believe. Because you have to know how to like receive just as well as you give yeah. or give and take. You yeah, have you have to, to be filled receive. before you get all those things. And I was the blessed recipient of hospitality my first 2 months living in New York mm-hmm. when I went to live with family friends of ours who had their own apartment in a co-op in Brooklyn and they said we don't have a full guest room, but we have, like, a pull-out bed in our office space, and we'll, like, put a sheet up if you want to work. I mean, they changed their whole life for that because they couldn't use the office in the same way and all those things, and mm-hmm. living there was the best thing ever for starting in New York. You really enjoyed it. To walk into a family yeah. of believers, of little kids, where I could be a big sister, which is my favorite things in the universe. Mm-hmm. Like, there was no better way to... It was huge. Mm-hmm. And then, yes, I moved to this first apartment where one of the other girls and I talked often about wanting to be, like, have this thing of hospitality and, like, started the year with these, the lease with these ideas of having people over and, like, having a housewarming party and all those things. Mm-hmm. But we didn't make enough of an effort to have a friendship that would allow each other to, like, trust each other to create those things. Hmm. We didn't end up having a lot of the same things that we, like, valued um, as far as, like, what does it mean to have a hospitable space? Hmm. It, it seemed like there were some conversations where I I was more in the boat of, like, I have lots of ideas for how to make this space really, like, livable and pretty hmm. and cool. Mm-hmm. But the three, the, all four of us have to agree on it. Mm-hmm. And then we didn't. And so it was kind of a roadblock there. Yeah. And then my next thought was, whatever, just have people over. Like, this is a space in progress. I don't have the money to just, like, re-renovate this right now. Like, right. just go for it. But you didn't Her, have a lot of people to invite over because you didn't know that all, many people. First of all, I didn't know anyone. And, and she, this other roommate, knew people. She'd been there for a couple of years. But she also seemed to really want to make the house look the way she wanted it before she had any housewarming party. Oh. So it was, like, months and months of not happening. Huh. Because she wanted it to, like you know, look however it was in her head to want it to, to look before, like, I guess someone of a finished product before it was like mm. really welcomed in. So it never happened. All that to say, my second year in New York, I had friends, I had mm-hmm. a new place, and they're all girls who have, whose like philosophies of hospitality pull into every part of their life. Mm. And it's much more of, you don't have to create new spaces in your life to decide to be hospitable here. Yeah, that's huge. That's the difference. That's truly a difference. Mm-hmm. It's uh, true hospitality is 
opening your eyes to places where you already are living mm-hmm. that could be open to other people. Yeah. Everyone's got to eat. Right. So be open to eating with people, you know? Yeah. Because there's no time in, in life to, to switch your schedule up otherwise. <laughs> it really isn't. Well, and it's also for a lot of people in different socioeconomic levels intimidating to come into a, a pristine, all-put-together place. But when you invite them into a ramshackle, well, we have writing on the walls because we haven't painted our walls yet, which is what we did when we first moved into our house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we said we hadn't decided on the paint color. So it's all primered, but we haven't decided on the paint color. So you're free to write on our walls, and you're free to um, give us input on what color you would like. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that... Because sometimes, like, the lower quality things makes it more comfortable for people. That's true. I I moved into this apartment with friends within their second year of living there. Mm -hmm. Um, People kind of shifted around, one person left, etc. My first year experiencing the apartment I now live in, Mm -hmm. they had no furniture. Oh, interesting. We walked in. You've only seen it fully furnished with, like, this awesome bookshelf that we created. And it's, like, a carpet and a coffee table. I walked in the first time to no uh, drawers. There's no drawers in the apartment. Mm-hmm. So their dishwasher was being used as storage, and they washed, hand-washed their dishes and then put them clean into the dishwasher. <laughs> and the only thing on the floor was a blow-up air mattress oh, wow. that had a hole in it and had to be reblown up every 15 minutes as we sat on it. Oh, that's hilarious. But on top of the mattress was like two or three blankets that they each brought from home and decided to spread out into a cover. Mm-hmm. And throw pillows from Goodwill and your own pillows. Hmm. And a little a TV without a stand on the other side. But you felt so warm and invited by the friendship. But it was a whole group of people. Yeah, in my very first... Like, that was it. But it was a group of people who came in and said, we're going to hang out on Saturday, and it's a cereal bar. Bring your favorite bowl of... Your favorite ah. cereal, and we have plastic bowls and just enough spoons, and that's all we need. <laughs> That's a great idea. So when that was, that's just the like bare bones example of finding people with similar philosophies of hospitality. Yeah. And then I got to live with them. And when that was, again, like the base foundation, Mm -hmm. when we found a way to like get furniture in because other people were moving out and we Mm -hmm. just like took it from them or paid Mm -hmm. cheap, all those things, you can, you can build from there. Yeah. We've had, we have a tally on our um, board now of... Uh how many people have called our apartment home in the last two years? Oh. It's a three-bedroom apartment, uh-huh. and nine people have called it home in the last two years. Oh, wow. Only, like, you know, five or six have lived there, like, full-time on-signed leases. Mm-hmm. But called home means, like, a month-ish of time. Yeah. And we've had, like, subletters here and there. Or I'm just going to be gone so you take my place. Mm-hmm. We, we had a girl literally live on our couch in the living room. For a month. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's the one that really took more mental change. Because mm-hmm. that was like a, we don't really know how long you're going to be here. But we, you, that, that like mental space of kind of being on and letting that be okay. And how do you come in and still be a part of the apartment. And mm-hmm. So I'm really thankful to have other people who helped me open my eyes to like how to be hospitable mm-hmm. without money to buy you coffee. 
I think as I think about it and know how you guys have traveled to other parts of the world and we've traveled to other parts of the world, there are other cultures outside the United States and even within the United States that are far better at that. I just was raised with a much more, this is the nuclear family concept, which kind of came around in the 50s after World War II, I believe, maybe before World War II, the nuclear family, and then the nuclear house. We are one family unit. We don't live with generations because each generation has their own house. Right. So kind of what we're talking about is going back to what other cultures still experience all the time and the living multi-generationally, living with multi-different family groups together. So That's we just, true. Um, it's just got like away. American dream is a strangely like fenced in, Isolated. good fences make good neighbors kind of situation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what we're talking about is common to a lot of people of the world. It just... It really was anomalies to it wasn't my up across America. It wasn't my upbringing, and I will say a lot of your peers. It wasn't their upbringing, so it seemed odd yeah. to them. Um, we're yes. coming back to it now. I would say your generation and your culture is coming back to the experience. You're kind of the experience yeah, generation, that's true. and part of the experience is doing things in community together rather than isolation. And there's a lot less people buying their own property at least in big cities. It's true, there's lots and of co-ops and things. Yeah, so it, it's not so out of the ordinary, but it is a philosophy of life that we have actively chosen to take rather than you You fell into it, we actively chose to take it, and now you have act- chosen to continue it, I would say. I am 100%, yes. The product and the beneficiary of your willingness to change your habits and philosophy and thought patterns. Mm-hmm. Did you have a guest bedroom growing up? Let's see. But we didn't have people stay at our house quite as often. We would have oh, really? grandparents stay at our house. One time we had cousins and aunt and uncles like stay at our house. Not strangers. No. Like dad would invite often. co-workers of his in, coming in for business trips to skip the hotel and stay at our house yeah. instead. Which is very Which is weird, <laughs> truly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, we didn't really have that not too often did we have other people and they weren't pseudo strangers like that no right oh interesting no. whose idea was it then to have a guest room that was so stri- kind of like strictly for guests yours or dad's or what did you like, In our hear house that when together we, when we made our house yeah well no we just heard that person talk about that concept of of having uh, a dedicated guest bedroom we probably came up with it together. We just liked the idea. We had, well, when we first moved into the house, we had two daughters. So, and it was natural for you guys to have. Yeah, we were little. Your own, I mean, to, to be in the same room together. And then we had we had three daughters. If we had a boy, it would have been a different story. True. Uh, but we, we had three girls, so it was easier to think of keeping you together than move, moving one of you out. Yeah. So that made more sense to us. Yeah, I'm definitely just the beneficiary of that, especially considering that like some of my friends would be like, "Isn't that super inconvenient? You know, like isn't that? <laughs> yeah. Or like, Where's your own space? Like, how do you do that? Right. Um, and I think part of the the blessing for my life is the fact that I don't know any different. There's an ease to looking for 
opportunities for hospitality here in my life mm-hmm. because it was never a question to me growing up that people could come in and out mm-hmm. and we would share their stories and they would share ours and I guess ju- that my point of, of that is just that it, when you once you start a, a habit like that you don't it isn't such a nuisance <laughs> hospitality can feel like an inconvenience quickly when you are making space for other people and that means you're making space doesn't space isn't just mm-hmm. there yeah and for me if I'm going to do most of the time if I'm going to do something around my house the more the merrier there are yeah. times of day when I like to be by myself but I still do have places to go and I have felt on occasion the inconvenience like oh, oh for um this was my place to go it used to be empty and now it's occupied yeah, <laughs> but we can I I can always adjust to that. And then, actually, that is a communication practice. And I I think just the way that most people who are invited into a home or a situation like to be included in the preparation or the cleaning, or they don't want to be waited on hand and foot. They also want to know that you're not disrupting their life your life so much for them that you can't do your job, your own things, you know? Yeah. There's always a sort of breath of relief for me when the person who's hosting me says, I'm going to go still do this for a while because I'm... That's what I do. Yeah, I I still have my life to live and I don't feel like, oh, I've like totally disrupted your whole life and you can't even live regular... You know, like I still want you to do your stuff. Yeah, that's good. So during this era of the uh, social distancing and virus, how does that change how we live? It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I think I'm happy that in this situation at least within the communities that I am connected to, mm-hmm. my little corners of the U.S. People are becoming more intentional. A lot of people my age actually are going home. Yeah. They're spending unplanned time with their families. Yeah, which is interesting. Which is kind of cool. And and as I know this isn't true of everyone, and I just hope and pray that it becomes this very quickly. But for the most part, I haven't heard a lot of blame around the world. Mm-hmm. Because it's a... It's a sickness. I mean, like, the entire world is shut down Mm -hmm. and scrambling to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Some countries are doing better than others to figure it out. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, like, even in war, there's there's an enemy. And the Mm -hmm. enemy here is is a health problem. Right. Which is a psychological study that has been done for people that have faced joint trauma versus independent trauma. Like, if you have a disease... That's kind of independent trauma. But if you face joint trauma, like 9-11 was a joint trauma, yeah. World War II was a joint trauma, people that go through um, the suffering in Haiti for hurricanes, hurricanes and all of yeah. that kind of thing. When people go through trauma that happens to a lot of people, psychologically people do a lot better because it's the, oh, that's happening to me also. To me too. Me too. Yeah, and the, the ability to talk about it still. Right. I know that's the big, um, there's a big statistic about that, about the recovery of World War II veterans versus Vietnam veterans. Oh, because, because they didn't feel good talking about it. And because in World War II, they didn't fly home. They took a ship They home. took a ship home, and for three weeks, all they could do was talk to each other about their own trauma. Wow. And in Vietnam, within 48 hours, they were back in America. Home set in a culture disjointed from That already people. was not going to give them a hero's welcome, which was a separate bad issue, but... That's fascinating. Isn't that amazing? Wow. 
So we're at the beginning stage of this in the United States. We'll see, we'll see how what long it's it like. takes. Yeah, longer down the road. But ways to be hospitable while you're social hmm. distancing. Hmm. Well, have your hand sanitizer ready or yeah. your, your um, clean towels or your paper towel if you have them your, and your clean towels and your soap. There's still soap available. Do and your the best job thing. to keep yourself <laughs> healthy. Healthy. Take your vitamins. You can send, I can send mail to my family around the country. Right. I can call them on the phone. Just the, the again, the intentionality of a relationship mm-hmm. um, and intentionality toward positivity and like an openness for for vulnerability. You know, talk to me about your anxiety. Talk to me about your loneliness. Talk to me about your frustration. And talk to me about your hope. And yeah, you know that it's a it's a gift when both of those can be open. Yeah, when some of the crowdedness of our scheduled lives is diminished, then we can reach out and connect more intentionally to the people. Yeah, that we would want to that we hold close. So we hope this empowers you to find ways of hospitality in the life you already have. Yes. That's what's so beautiful about it. It doesn't have to be all buttoned up and picture perfect painted, but even with unpainted walls and um, plastic chairs to sit on or an air mattress that you have to blow up every 15 minutes. (laughs) There are the places in your life where you can share hospitality. Yeah. There's just already places that both of you need to eat and both of you need to sleep and yeah and being a gracious recipient is just as important that's right it's just yeah yeah if you're in a place right now where you need to go home because you just lost all your entertainment jobs and Mm. you don't have any money in your bank account (laughs) right you can receive the hospitality from your friend or your family member absolutely that's okay yeah and look at it in a new light that's important yeah thanks for coming mom regardless of here (laughs) The illnesses around the world. Yeah, I'm glad. We're going to get you home it. somehow tomorrow. <laughs> I'm right. glad you're here now. I love you. I love you, Mom. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hug and a High Five. Yep, thanks for listening. If you'd like to suggest a topic, ask us a question, or share your mom-daughter story, please email us at podcast at gmail.com. That's podcast at gmail.com. All words, Hug and a High Five Podcast at gmail.com. Have a great week.